To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by PB and Joey. Simple, honest, delicious. Go to pbandjoey.com for more information. $35 or more gets you free shipping. That's pbandjoey.com for more information. pbandjoey.com. Hey, everyone. Here's a great way to support this website and make money for yourself. This is Robinhood, the app that makes investing easier and offers more ways to make your money work harder. Their goal? Investing in financial markets more affordable, more intuitive, and more fun, no matter how much experience you have or don't have. Keep a broker in your back pocket. Everything you need to manage your assets and all available in a single app. Set up customized news and notifications to stay on top of your assets as casually or as relentlessly as you like. Controlling the flow of info is up to you. Have access to stocks, funds, options, cash management, and cryptocurrency. Make unlimited commission-free trades in stocks, funds, and options with Robinhood Financial. The same goes for buying and selling cryptocurrencies with Robinhood Crypto and zero commission fees. Also introducing cash management. Invest, spend, and earn all through your brokerage account. Secure a spot on the waitlist and reserve your card. Here's what I want you to do. Go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate and when you click on the referral banner and securely sign up either using your Android, Apple device, or desktop, you get a share of stock value between $3 and $150 after funding your account. That's all you got to do. You get a free stock. I get a free stock. We all win. Trading terms and conditions still apply. See Robinhood.com for more information. Once again, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate, click on the Robinhood referral banner, and claim your free stock. Robinhood, it's time to do money. I'm clearly an alpha because I talk loudly, I use the gym to mask my insecurities, and I think being big is the solution to all problems because it is. And the most alpha thing you can do is judge others to put them beneath you to make yourself feel superior. Jay here, PositiveSarcasm.com, streaming live from the Spare Parts Studios. Happy Sunday, everybody. Oh, my God, it's the Super Bowl. I got a little lazy there on the YouTube video, but that's okay. Streaming live from the Spare Parts Studios. You can find me on Instagram, at positive underscore sarcasm. You can find me on Facebook.com slash POS Sarcasm. Or if you just want to be my friend, you can go to Facebook.com slash POS Sarcasm. Uh, oh, no, there's no coffee there today. Oh, I should state that I am officially out of the, this is my last couple brews on the Wicked Joe's Organic Fair Trade. Uh, this is the Deep and Soulful Blend. So, yeah. Um, it was decent. So, it's now on the Wall of Fame with the rest of the coffee sitting next to the Jim's Organic and the Vermont Coffee Company. The Wicked Joe's is now there on the wall. And I've only got, what, maybe one spot left for a bag of coffee before I put um before I get a new frame and start putting uh, more coffees on the wall. It's cool artwork. It's cheap artwork. But it is uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for some boredom? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you can find me on all social media. I don't care. I really just don't care i used to don't get me wrong like you know i was a big 49ers fan and whatnot but i just don't give a shit and i mean you, you, you what are you gonna do you're gonna go there you're gonna 
it's going to take like two hours for all the food to be made. People are going to bring a bunch of potluck. You're going to be eat a bunch of shitty food, which is going to throw you off of your diet that was destined to fail to begin with. Then you're going to have that one fuck ass who's going to bring a vegan plate and encourage everybody to try. Did you try my? Did you try my vegan pate? Did you try my my vegan buffalo chicken dip? It's like, and then they push it on you. It's like I don't, I don't want to eat that. Quite frankly, I don't want to eat half the shit here. I don't want to get the fucking coronavirus from your, uh, from your tofu, from your tofu mix. And and what what are we gonna do? People half people are gonna be so drunk they're not even gonna be paying attention to the game to begin with. Some of them are just gonna be there just to watch the commercials, which are gonna be awful. Then you're gonna have some social justice bullshit commercials that are be that are, are gonna. You know, it's funny to, to get like a Super Bowl commercial. It's like a billion dollars or whatnot. You, I remember the original bill. I when they started talking about how much how much is the Super Bowl for a thirty second ad, it was like a million dollars a pop. Or really for thirty seconds, but now it's just like everybody's trying to get an angle. It's like, like something sincere and dear, but it's like a, it's like an advertisement for like fucking Doritos. So it's just the absolute. It's annoying. It's it's gone beyond the point of sports where it's just annoying to watch it. Even if it was your team in the league, I just don't care. It's it's just it's another thing on TV now. It's not even sports anymore. It's it's no. Now it's just a thing that's on TV that I also don't want to watch. And the halftime show is even worse. Okay? I mean, imagine that. If you were in a relationship or in a business contract where 60 to 70% of the time it was bullshit and terrible and smelled like fake, you wouldn't want to be in that. You would not want to be in that situation. You would just want to bolt altogether. So, I mean... I, I remember a vast majority of the Super Bowl ads, um, most of them being pretty stupid. And then I remember a um, vast majority of the actual Super Bowl um, halftime shows being just as bad, if not worse. So, anyways, uh, right now, this is Sunday Leftovers. Sunday Leftovers is a shorter version of the podcast. And also, I'm testing out new gear this week once again. And I've been having a lot of success with the Facebook feed, but I've been having some issues ever since I've been testing. Um, I've been testing out the uh, YouTube feed with a new computer. Now the new computer is—it's not a new computer, okay? It's—it's it's one of my many refurbs, but it's actually been quite—it's um, been quite reliable. It's awesome. I've just been having some problems with the OBS stream and stuff like that. And so if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. I'm not really too concerned about it. I'm, I'm not that popular yet. I mean, I'm pretty good when it comes to the RSS feed and subscribers through my podcast, but when it comes to my live stream, that still is a lot to be desired. And I know that as far as the video feed goes and stuff like that, that's going to be a new gear for another time. For now, I, d I literally just want to have the stream in place so that I can take the video, chop it down, throw it up on Instagram, throw it up on YouTube, and throw it up on Facebook so that people can see the podcast uh, as a, uh, in addition to just listening to it. So it's all a learning process. I've been fucking with this. Uh, I've been trying to turn my old... Since I won the... Um, since I won the war with Comcast, essentially, well, first of all, anytime you win a war with a large, a large company, there's always a giant cleanup afterwards. And right now, I'm dealing with the cleanup, uh, and that is making sure that I utilize my internet connection the best I can. And I really just need to like take care of one little thing. And if I can do that, that would be great. But that's the only thing I need to be doing right now. 
is just making sure that the what that the feed the the signal in this studio is strong enough, um, and it would only be a difference of maybe fifteen or twenty feet. Actually, yeah, maybe fifteen or twenty feet. And I do that, and this place is solid. I'm enjoying, um, you know, the progression of how everything's. It, I'm, I'm enjoying the progression of how this year is starting to turn out. I, as far as the gear is concerned, I'm doing. I have some other things. I've been. Re- putting some into light duty. Like I took my laptop that was used to be running the live stream for the longest time and used to do some of my video editing on. And I moved that into the back room, into the state, into the lab that I staged most of my computers to be repaired or stripped down. And that computer right now is just, uh, here's a, here's the thing. It has this, it has this really glitchy, um, it has a shitty plug, like the adapter where you go to plug it in to charge it. And the problem with it is, is this thing is like, it's got a like, it's not even a point of jiggling it. You have to like plug the plug. You have to plug the adapter into it, into the computer, and then push the computer against the wall with the charger in it, and push it against the wall in order for the contacts for the for the two points to make contact and you know make a charge. And since it's a computer with a shitty battery life, like it's one of those older first generation i threes and i fives. The problem is, is that it has like maybe a 90 minute to two hour battery life. And I don't want to risk it because Samsung made interesting computers back in the day, but they weren't, mm, they weren't the most reliable as far as their longevity. Whereas oddly enough, HP was very hit or miss. If you bought some of their bulkier computers with a, a, a few more things in them, they actually were pretty sleek. They were uh, pretty durable. You know, a lot of the items in there were uh, pretty reliable, and the one that I have running the running the podcast now is awesome. It's a great little machine. It it can do it can run fourteen forty on YouTube. It runs ten eighty sixty resolution. It's a great. It's a third gen i three. Yeah, we're doing dork talk, and then I have the new tablet, and then I have a couple other things. I'm just right now. I'm in the middle of reorganizing, and there's just some things that I'm dealing with. So. But I did want to, since, well, we're eight minutes and 30 seconds in, okay. Well, this is, it's a Super Bowl Sunday, so there's a bunch of people doing whatever, and I know they're probably not going to be listening to my podcast, they probably wait till Monday. The idea is that um, I just want to blab a little bit on these typical Sunday leftovers, do like a quick 20, 30 minutes like I normally do, get in and out, and not drag the song any on any longer than it needs to. But I do got to have a sip of coffee, I'm also doing cooking at the same time, I'm doing other blah, blah, blah. Mmm. Glory, glory. Okay, so let's get that out of the way. Let's move that. What's that? I don't care about that. Okay. All right. I was been getting wanting to get to this for some time. Uh, we all have that franchise that yeah. We're switching to movie news. We're all, we all have that franchise that that's like near and dear to our hearts. Some people it's the Marvel comics. Uh, some people it's DC. Some people it's the fucking Thornbirds. But one that was really big with me when I was younger was the Terminator franchise. A Terminator franchise, if you don't know, um, the first one came out in 1984. Uh, the synopsis simply was, because it was kind of a horror movie. Actually, it was very much a horror movie. Someone's chasing you, trying to kill you. That's a horror movie. In 1984, a human soldier is tasked to stop an indestructible cyborg killing machine, both sent from 2029 from executing a young woman whose unborn son is the key to humanity's future salvation. So basically, they, the general of the army who beat the machines... Uh, the machines travel back in time to try to kill the mother of that general. And if they can do that, they can effectively stop the humans from winning. I think. So, that they send back one Terminator 
The machine sent back one Terminator, uh, Cyberdyne Systems Model 101, which was played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, to kill John Connor, well, his mom. Mom. And then the Resistance, or the Rebels, or Rebels, they send back some fucking soldier who apparently, if, when you find out later on, he's in love with Sarah Connor. Sarah Connor. And those two clash. Human versus machine. David versus Goliath. Now, this movie was pretty simple in its format. It was the perfect amount of time. It was a new breakthrough in CGI. It was terrifying. It had you on the edge of your seat. It was definitely, uh, it, it was a, the you know, that running that run and gun type of play where you're running, there's a lot of violence. It's a great, it's a great movie. The Terminator, uh, its CGI does not hold up, but the actual movie itself, in its simplistic tech and its simplistic form, uh, is definitely has replay value, and it has a very intense, uh, a very notable scene which nowadays would play a lot more and would it would be maybe controversial. There's a scene in the movie in 1984. Spoiler alert in 20 in the Terminator, where uh, the the Cyberdyne, where Schwarzenegger walks in, he asks to see Sarah Connor. Cop says no. He comes back, crashes a police cruiser into the into the station, and then proceeds to murder seventeen cops. And just goes in there and just wastes everything and lights the place on fire. It was a pretty intense scene back in the you know back in nineteen eighty five though, when the, or nineteen eighty four when the movie came out. That was just popcorn fodder it didn't mean anything to us at least i don't think so i was only one year old one years old when that movie came out and this movie was i mean the budget on it was nothing this was like 10 million bucks okay uh, adjusted for inflation that's still not a lot when you really think about it. 1984 is when the when inf- right before inflation really started to kick into gear but this movie uh the terminator is one of the best movies, highest rated movies of all time. This is before Rotten Tomatoes went woke. And it has a high value, high rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It has a high rating all around. The characters in the movies went on to have huge careers. Uh, Linda Hamilton, not so much, but she definitely was a working actress. Michael Bean, or Michael Bean? Michael Bean, who played uh, Reese, Kyle Reese, he went on to be in The Rock. He went on to be in Aliens, which was also uh, directed by the frick is his name, James Cameron, who was the director of Avatar uh, and the director of Titanic. <laughs> so, and then of course, who else was in that? Bill Paxton actually had like a cameo. It was like his first movie ever in uh, in that movie ever in this flick, and that was it. It was actually a pretty small cast. There was a, a couple other known actors. Uh, who played cops in this movie from the 1980s. But for the most part, it was a small cast. Then also, this movie made what? Internationally made $40 million, domestically made 38 It's one of the best movies of all time, in my opinion. It's up there with like Predator. When it comes to like dude movies, great movie. Lyndall Hamilton's awesome in it. It's just a great movie. Now, what happened was is they, I mean, let's see, it was about, what, six, eight years until the sequel came out, 1991, 1992, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, which was also fantastic. It didn't stray too far from the, it didn't stray at all from the original concept of Terminator. That's what made it so good. They kept the rating exactly the same. They kept, they kept the violence right where it was supposed to be. They kept the new age, you know, things have changed. It's 1992 and everyone wears Jankos. They kept that shit to a minimum. And they kept the actual core values of the original movie 
as close as they could. It was still directed by James Cameron. It still had Linda Hamilton in it. It still had uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and then some new characters because other characters come and go. Uh, but for the most part, it was an, it was an excellent movie, and it made a ton of money at the box office. And this was back when international box office didn't really mean much to movies back in the day. It wasn't really their goal. Their goal was to make enough money in the United States to return. And everything else was just a bonus. Plus, back then, you had rentals because Blockbuster or whatnot. You'd go to Blockbuster, you rent it. So you'd make money on the back end there. Uh, so that was the case. The Terminator and Terminator 2, both directed by James Cameron, were awesome movies. They're dude flicks. Everybody should have them. And then something weird happened after that. Well, Terminator 3, I think Terminator 2, uh, James Cameron, he didn't have the rights to it anymore. Some other guy picked it up and made Terminator 3. Terminator 3 took some of the kind of jokiness that was in Terminator 2 and amped it up a little to, to the point where it wasn't f- cute and funny, where it was rather obnoxious. And took the greasiness, the because Terminator was dark. Terminator was 1980s. It had that noir. It was the cyber punk synth wave dystopian feel was still in 1990 in 1984's Terminator. It was very dystopian leading and Judgment Day was that culmination, that climax that we can stop Judgment Day. We can stop the extinction of humanity if we just do this. And then 99 it was like fuck that Judgment Day is inev- inevitable. And the characters were not really that good. It left you on the note that there was something more to come. It was like, okay, there's going to be a, a, another movie after this. That's the only, I'd say, good thing that, that, took, that I took away from Terminator Rise of the Machines. But I think a huge, that movie kind of, when you really think about it, that's like a sci-fi made-for-TV movie. All the moments that were supposed to have like the gravity of the situation when these machines become self-aware, you know, the danger of AI. The machines become self-aware, start launching nukes all over the fucking planet, and it just it took away it, it took away the, the extreme value of that moment of them fighting the machines. The actual uh, you had no human connection to the characters whatsoever. Because they were all beta pussies, you and you just didn't, you didn't care, you just didn't care at all. It was all about making a quick buck off of Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I was like, okay, well, I guess that's the end of that. I wasn't really sure what they were going to do at this point. I mean, I was still hoping for somebody to take the reins and make that movie that I really wanted because this movie was all about. The rise of the machines. This this series, this franchise, excuse me. This Terminator franchise was all about the rise of the machines and the war that took place. Skynet versus the what's left of the human population. Everybody banding together to beat this thing that they created. Okay. Um, I need a sip of coffee. Ooh. That's more like a big gulp. So, refill. Boop, boop. Uh, what what coffee am I drinking next week? It's gonna be from the Wide Awake Coffee Company. It's got like a little owl on it. I got a. It's a medium roast. It's called like creamy or something. Anyways, uh, did my phone go off? Yeah, it did. Oh, Mister Frally, <laughs> like the post I shared. Um, anyways, mm, feeling pretty good. Okay, so nineteen eighty four, the Terminator tries to kill John- Sarah Connor, fails. Nineteen ninety one. 
the Terminator, an, another Terminator, a more advanced Terminator, comes back, tries to kill John Connor himself. And then, of course, they send back another term. You know, another Terminator comes. Yeah, you can watch the movie. It's still great. You've seen it by now. Spoiler alert. Okay. So that happens. He fails. The third one, same thing, succeeds in starting the war. The machines succeed in starting the war because they just became self-aware, but fail to kill John Connor. And do they fail to kill the other chick? No. Okay. So now the war is in. The war is going to happen. Okay, 2003's or 2004's Terminator Salvation. The movie I had been hoping for for the longest time had had the cast of a lifetime. And it had an amazing movie trailer. One of the best movie trailers I'd seen in a long time. Where, first of all, the music they picked for it was fantastic. They picked uh, a Nine Inch Nails song called The Day the Whole World Went Away. And they made a version of it that kind of hit a little harder. A remix, as you would say, that goes perfect with the trailer. Movie trailers are everything. That's what gets your attention. It really does. And this trailer had everything that you possibly could want. Um, And, of course... Let's see, Sam Worthington, who was an up-and-coming actor who would be later uh, introduced into Avatar and, to a, and into a couple other movies, was going to be one of the main characters. He was going to be one of the machines, sort of. And then Christian Bale, when he classically... this was There was a moment where he got distracted by somebody in the crew and he went off and he had that epic tirade that you can, go, you can look up Christian Bale tirade on set, and justifiably so. But the biggest issue with Terminator Salvation was, number one, the the publishing company behind it. So the studio putting pressure on the director. The director was not anyone of note. They hired this guy named Mick G. Uh, that's his name. That's his directing name, Mick G. His two biggest um, credits are a corn music video and Charlie's Angels. That's it. Those were his working titles. They didn't get Ridley Scott. James Cameron didn't come back. No Michael Bay to blow a ton of shit up. No Michael Bay. He was probably too busy working on uh, the new Transform when Transformers were coming out. No big, no John Woo, nothing. They get this guy McGee. And McGee, I think, in my opinion, this is a, t- a movie with a $200 million production budget. We've gotten away from the $10 million production. Now the inflation of these budget of these studios is through the roof. So they bring this guy on. Obviously, he can't control his actors. He can't control what's going on in set. He doesn't really have any connection to the Terminator franchise. He doesn't understand the gr- the the gravity of what this of the concept of this trilogy of this franchise holds. He doesn't know what he's he doesn't know what he's doing. You don't give a fuck about the characters. You don't give a fuck about the um past, present, whatever. You just don't care at this point. You just watch this movie and you can you don't you just it, you immediately become you, you, there the thing about watching movies, you within the first 10 minutes, you want to be in the movie. You really do. You want to be in it. You want to be immersed in the world and you want to be start making those connections with the characters in the movie and the f- very first few things that the ter- the terminator salvation does is make you disconnect from the characters 
and make the situation non-believable. Because there are certain things that you watch in this in, in the original Terminator's movies. Number one, if you shoot a Terminator, the metal bullets just don't matter. You can't. Terminators don't give a shit about bullets. First thing that the first thing that happens in this movie is friggin' uh, Christian Bale's character smokes, straight up smokes one of these uh, one of these model one of these Terminators with a machine gun with an AR-15. So completely kills, just devalues any of the original lore and science of the of the original movies. And then some certain characters die that have have emotional character connections to other characters in the movies, and they just play it off like it's bullshit. It's like it was basically a lot like Star Wars, the new Star Wars movies, just throwing characters away like they never mattered to begin with. And this movie makes the same mistakes ahead of its time. You know, and it starts to stray from the, this should have been a huge set. Like, this should have had way more stuff going on. This was a movie designed to be busy, okay? Lots of uh, aerial assaults, a lot of, um, you know, compounds and prisoner work camps, a lot of uh, war going on, a lot of it. Laser beams and fucking beep, beep, beep. This was supposed to be a movie with a huge set. Something like Avengers Endgame. It was supposed to be on, it was supposed to look on that level. But it wasn't. It wasn't there. It was very, it, it was basically a Mad Max. It was very much on the lines of Mad Max Fury Road. Only you didn't care about the characters. And it, and the whole movie was to a lesser degree. And I just, I so, to be so pumped up for a movie and to be so disappointed by it is, that's one of the biggest letdowns I've had as far as going out to the cinema, spending the money, just ultimately very disappointing. And I just, I, uh, I, as I was watching this movie, it just, it felt too 1999. There was, an, there was a thing back in the day, 1987, 1988, when movies were trying to take that turn. The Bond movies suffered from this as well. Like, like uh, World is Not Enough and Die Another Day. They suffered, it was just, there was too much CGI. It's like, when we're lacking plot, when we're lacking substance, when we're lacking character connection, when we're lacking all these things, we'll just throw in more CGI and make it busy. The Star Wars movies also had that issue as well. Like Phantom Menace. CGI the fuck out of it. That'll fix the problem doesn't work like that. People still want connections in movies, and this movie suffered from that not happening. And I was like, all right, well, that's the end of that. You're not going to fix that. $200 million down the drain. And then they made two other movies after that. They made Terminator Genesis, which was basically another cash cow, which was an okay movie, but at the end of the day, completely forgettable. I don't even want to talk about Terminator Genesis. It's just it's like, okay, it was there. All right, well, I guess we're just making niche uh, uh, Terminator movies now, from now on. Like Alien versus Predator, that type of stuff. Like it could have been, but it totally wasn't. And then, okay. Then the, uh, what happened was one of my biggest things that I wanted to happen over the years. James Cameron taking back the rights to direct a Terminator movie. Basically him coming in and saying, I'll take it from here. There's only one problem. 
James Cameron's gone kind of woke. All right. And all his movies have the same parallels. All right. They're very, you can tell. A lot of his, uh, Ridley Scott suffers from the same thing, where he makes an elaborate set that takes a long time to develop. The problem is half of the characters in the movie who are supposed to be highly intelligent scientists and mathematicians and psychologists are fucking dumb. Prometheus had the same problem. Huge set, tons of CGI, flimsy, uh, what could have been a strong plot ended up being a flimsy concept, and dumb characters. Characters who are supposed to be, supposed to be smart, but do really stupid shit. And with... You would hope James Cameron would be that epic director. You know, Avatar. Avatar was a huge movie with a ton of heart, a simple but strong enough plot, likable characters, and a world that had to be viewed on a large screen. And he accomplished that with Avatar. Granted, it was Pocahontas with blue people, but still. It was amazing. You could not help but like this movie. Yet... The biggest thing that happened to James Cameron was he, I think, he went woke. Okay? He went woke. He devalued, he started to devalue Arnold Schwarzenegger's character. He started to devalue uh, Linda Hamilton's character, who he brought back. And then he added a bunch of chicks to the thing. He made everybody vegan for this fucking thing, which obviously soy boyed the entire movie. And I just knew from the trailer, from watching the trailer, Pretty much, I can tell if a movie's going to be bad. Okay? And this movie did. It fucking died a miserable death. Because at this point, you can't just make... There are movies that are supposed to be good. There are movies that are supposed to be great. This Terminator Dark Fate, which just came out, was supposed to be great. This was James Cameron, Return to the Franchise, going to make it bigger and badder than ever, and he's going to bring back all the characters that really matter, and he's going to, you know, make Terminator great again. <laughs> It never happens. Never even come close. I look at the freaking... I, I look at the uh, trailer. You can go on YouTube and look up Terminator Dark Fate trailer. And you're just like not interested. There's one big scene with a CGI plane. Which supposedly made up for the rest of the movie. But this was a movie that was supposed to be the beginning. Uh, the rebirth of a franchise. Instead, it was a dying whimper. And I'm going to show you some... And at the end of the day, this was a massive financial financial loss. Not as much as Cats was, but as far as... But it was a big blow as far as money spent. So let me take a look here. And what I mean... Fixing the franchise, I could do it. This is actually one thing I wanted to mention. If anybody can fix the Terminator franchise, one final movie, the end game to the Terminator franchise, I could do it. Put me behind the helm. I'll make. I'll give it a matrixy. Well, it'll be during the war. It'll be the war. It will actually be the war. It'll be a sequel to Terminator Salvation. It'll get rid of Genesis. It will no. It'll incorporate Genesis and Dark Fate. But it'll make it all like the Matrix. It'll be like, that was a simulation. We shut the simulation off. We were still in the war. And we'll bring back Christian Bale's character. And we can bring back Sam Worthington's character, if possible. And we'll make it all about the war. And we'll make some true connections with the characters. And we'll make it so fucking Michael Bayed, that movie, that people cannot help but go and see this movie. 
and we'll give it a huge production budget, $200 million, we'll blow the freaking doors off it. Will we make it that long? We don't even need to make it that long. We can... That was the great thing about Terminator 2 was they were able to, they were able to do some simple narration in the beginning of the movie to catch everybody up to speed and then poof drop you right into the middle of the what was supposed to be taking place the core plot of the movie. In Terminator uh, Salvation, they were in the they were in the depths of the move in the depths of the war. They were in the war, but there wasn't enough of Anything that you could have possibly wanted from a movie. And from that, it was a giant failure. And you could tell that it was this manufactured pile of shit. Whereas the other two movies that came after it were just piles of shit. But I could definitely fix that movie. If you gave me... Yeah, if you gave me the budget and you gave me Christian Bale back, I could make this work. And you know what? I would probably even bring in John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. First of all, the two are married, so they get along pretty well. And number two, they've worked together on set in A Quiet Place. Emily Blunt has proved her worth as far as a female actress, female actress, an actress or female actor, whatever you want to call it. And she was in the movie with Tom Cruise. What was that? Edge of Tomorrow or Live, Die, Repeat, however you want to call it. So they were. She has proved her worth in a, in an intense scene or an intense movie like this. Edge of Tomorrow was a fantastic movie. I recommend that to anybody, any sci-fi or war movie or action movie buff. That's a movie to watch. Bring her into. If you want to bring her into it, we can do it. If you want to bring some of the characters back from Terminator Salvation, which I think you should. Um, Christian Bale had a wife in that movie as well. So I think you want to bring her back. She's in the Handmaid's Handmaid's Tale. I think she's I think she's the lead actress in that movie. I sorry I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but she was good in that movie, and I think she would be a value to that flick. But you could bring in Emily Blunt's character, and you could bring in uh, John Krasinski's character, and you can make them supporting actors, serious supporting actors who suffer suffer an ultimate sacrifice in order to better uh, in order to victory in order to bring victory to the resistance i think they can and i think they would be a stream of value and christian bale's character can come back and i think we can make it a huge intense movie and just brings a period to the end like this is the last terminator movie and fuck all that other shit because let's face it terminator dark fate terminator dark fate all right here is 2019 185 million dollar production budget now, when you look at production budgets, they never uh, that never factors the actual uh, cost to advertise the movie, making the trailers, uh, um, plugging the movie, you know, all that advertising, the marketing that goes behind it. That can be anywhere from like ten to twenty to fifty million dollars on top of that. Okay, so you could say, let's just say for budget, Terminator Dark Fate cost two hundred million dollars, two hundred million dollars. Domestically, it made six. It made back, and this is set in stone. It's not really still in theaters. It's done. Terminator Dark Fate, sixty-two million dollars domestically, out of a hundred eighty-five million dollar production budget. Internationally, it made a hundred ninety-eight million dollars. Worldwide, it made two sixty-one. So essentially, it's if it's made any money, or it's just a huge loss. Now that's that's the thing. So. That's that's a failure. In the eyes of the studio, 
that's a failure. That's not going to get you a sequel. That's not going to get you any more production budget. And that's not going to get you any more fans. Because nowadays, the production companies, publishing companies like Paramount, Warner Brothers, they want a, a, a franchise they can run on. Okay. And this is not going to do it. $261 million, Not going to do it. The Joker movie? That made a billion dollars. On a $50 million production budget with probably $30 million in marketing. I need to learn more about the marketing and see how much money that actually costs to put that mar- that out there into the world for people to see it. That's one thing I want to take into it. I want to actually find out more information about how much money it costs to market a movie of medium size and a movie of huge size. Like, I remember Avatar. Avatar had a huge production budget. Huge production budget. Huge. Even huger uh, marketing budget. Well, I mean, that movie made plenty of cash. So, I mean, Jesus Christ, $2.7 billion Avatar made. So, $261 million worldwide, $185 million production budget, tack on $15 million for marketing. So, $200 million to $261 million. Nah, that movie made a loss. Now, to adjust for inflation, yeah, we're going to do some nerd math, where I have it right here. The Terminator had a $6.4 million production budget. Tack on maybe a million for, maybe a million, maybe maybe a half a million for marketing. Domestically, it made $38 million. Internationally, back then when they didn't care about uh, international box office, it made $78 million worldwide. And then there's back-end revenue. I'd say the Terminator movie over time, just on alone by itself, has probably made over $100 million. On a $6 million production budget. All right. And, but let's go ahead and adjust that for inflation. So let's just say Terminator Dark Fate. Terminator Dark Fate made $264 million worldwide. Okay, in today's money. Dark Fate did. The Terminator made $78 million worldwide. Now let's do it in the inflation calculator. I think I just did uh, domestically. Either way, I did. I did. I ran the numbers for if a, if a movie. Let's see, if seventy eight million, yeah, seventy eight million. That's worldwide. Seventy eight million in world in nineteen eighty four, adjusted for inflation. If that movie came out today, uh, one hundred and ninety five four hundred sixty seven thousand dollars. So, rounding up about two hundred million dollars. So $200 million versus $260 million. What does that tell you? It tell you, tells you all you need to know about people's interests and what they want to see, the trust and value of the franchise that you, uh, you want to go you know, see in the theaters. There's no, nobody takes this, this franchise seriously anymore. No one, especially me. I'm its biggest critic. Now, I've already talked about Star Wars. I'm supposed to be having a, a debate with with uh, Turcotte of Polkin about the Star Wars franchise. But as far as Terminator goes, nobody's taking it seriously. When you adjust it for inflation, it has not made any improvements. Now, if I adjusted, if I adjusted Terminator Two, Terminator Two had a bigger, uh, bigger production budget, but it had a bigger de- uh, worldwide gross. So you adjust that for inflation, it would blow Dark Fate out of the water. Terminator Dark Fate, 
The idea is that this movie made worldwide made $260 million. Terminator Dark Fate, or any Terminator movie that comes out now, should should be a movie that grosses over a billion dollars. Period. Any Terminator movie that comes out right now should be grossing over a billion dollars, have high marks across the bank, and instead of a billion dollars, you get 261. So what you were hoping for and what you got, that's the disappointment. A disappointment of about $800 million. Now that's a loss. There's the there is the hidden marketing. There's the hidden there's the hidden budget. You know, there's the 185. There's the marketing. You could we could look that up. But the fact is, is this movie was a loss. All right. Anybody expecting to make um, extra money on the back end of this movie? They're not seeing a dime. But I can tell you right now, I would have. I could, and I mean that. I will stake my name on making a new Terminator movie, being the director. Hiring the right people and getting this done, I could do it. And I would. And my biggest thing was I would either make this movie a success, or I would get fired during the direct or during the filming process because I would not take any shit from the pub from the publishing company from the you know any of those fucking execs telling me oh I need to do this I need to add that this needs more diversity this needs to be woke I don't care I want to make a solid movie. A sol- not a, a solid movie. I want to make an epic movie. And you can do it. You can do it. This movie's premise was pretty simple. It's a movie that should have been accomplished back in 2000. They could have made this movie insane right at the turn of the century, and they didn't do it. Not only did they didn't do it, they failed at it three times. Three times? Four times. Uh, Rise of the Machines? Salvation? Genesis and Dark Fate. You failed four times. Three strikes, you're out. Four, you get ejected. You had four opportunities to make a, a, a huge movie to get our attention, and you didn't do it any of it. You didn't do any of it. So congratulations to you for ruining uh, one of my favorite franchises. I appreciate that. Put me behind the helm. My first, my first director, my first, uh, what do you call it? Screen actors, my first SAG appearance would be for term for a new Terminator movie. I'll go into production and I'll make it work, and we'll get the we'll get the CGI company. We'll go and get the freaking guys from ID Software, from ID Software. We'll go hire uh, Mick Gordon, who did the soundtrack for Killer Instinct and the new Doom trill and the new Doom uh, games. We'll get him to put that throw some shit down. And maybe we'll go and get uh, some of those amateur guys that I work with uh, or, or amateur guys that I use music from, White Sands and uh, Fox Sailor up on YouTube. You can go and check out their channels. Go check out some of their music. And we can make some huge cinematic type of stuff, like Hans Zimmer type shit to really emphasize the gravity of the situation. But anyways, I'm just rambling. So thank you, Paramount. You fucked up the franchise once and for all. James Cameron, I was rooting for you, but now I hope I I mean I hope you do well with the next Avatar movie because you did a shitty job with Alita Battle Angel. So we are at forty minutes. Uh we are done for the day. I'll be back next Wednesday with a new podcast. Uh this is Sunday Leftovers. You can find me on Instagram, uh at positive underscore sarcasm. You can find me on YouTube, positive sarcasm, and of course you can find my my clip channel for the podcast, Positive Sarcasm Podcast. 
Like, subscribe, share to both of them. You can also find me on Facebook.com slash POS Sarcasm and, of course, Facebook.com slash Positive Sarcasm. But uh, until then, um, I will talk to you all in a few days. You can subscribe to the actual podcast. Um, Everybody should be listening to podcasts nowadays. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podcast Addict, CastBox, anywhere in the world. Until then, I will talk to you guys next week, streaming live from the Spare Parts Studios. This has been a Positive Sarcasm presentation.
support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate.